This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. In collaboration with Australian Jewish News, check them out at ajn.timesofisrael.com. Also in collaboration with Arutz Sheva, israelnationalnews.com. October 1st, 1939, Winston Churchill gave a speech on BBC Radio. When talking about the Soviet Union, Churchill said it is, quote, a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Now, 82-odd years later, while that definition is still true to modern-day Russia, it's just as much true about another country the West is struggling to understand. That country is, of course, Iran. 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 Iran is vast, with 1,684,000 square kilometers. It is larger than the combined territories of France, Germany, the Netherlands, Belgium, Spain, and Portugal. It's the 16th most populous country in the world, with almost 83 million citizens. It has an army of almost a million people. And all of this might is ruled by a bizarre combo of a kind of democratically elected president alongside an almighty supreme leader, the Ayatollah. Iran is the number one sponsor of terrorism on the entire globe. With the intent to spread the Shiite Islamic Revolution, they are the main funding source for terror organizations such as Hamas and Hezbollah, and they also don't hesitate to kill their own, with tens of thousands of innocent Iranians who died for no reason since the 1977 revolution. 1979. 1979. <laughs> Last week, a new president was sworn to office in Iran, Ebrahim Raisi, the butcher of Tehran, who massacred thousands of innocent Iranians when he served in various roles in Iran's judiciary system. Today, it is safe to say Iran seeks to become a world superpower and eventually destroy the small devil, Israel, and the big devil, the United States. Will they succeed? Yeah. To try to understand what makes Iran tick and to answer this question, we figured we'd bring someone who knows it best. Today, we're joined by Dr. Tamar E. Gindin. Dr. Gindin is an Iran expert from the Esri Center in Haifa University. She's also the host of the podcast, Enriched Iranium in Hebrew, which by far the best podcast name I've ever heard. We're super happy to have her on the show today. Thank you so much for joining. How are you? Thanks for having me. And Enriched Iranium also has a few episodes in English, and the name is by Doklinan. Enriched Iranium. Guys, check it out. I mean, it just makes me want to listen to it. The name, (laughs) right? Like, it doesn't matter what it's about. It could be about something completely different. I'll go listen. Okay, that was the toughest intro I've ever done because there's so many potholes that I was... Yeah, but you said Ibrahim. Ibrahim, you said, right? Raisi. Raisi. Yeah. Raisi, yeah. Raisi. I'll, I'll work on my uh, Persian accent. <laughs> so so uh, you're fluent in Persian. We talked about it. You... Yeah, I sometimes you, talk in Persian-speaking media. You don't work for the Mossad yet? I, I won't work for the Mossad. Uh, they tried to recruit me twice, and they said I have to... Uh, cut off all my 
relationships with Ir- Ir- Iranians and Iranists in Europe. Um, and I said, uh, no way. And delete your social media accounts. And delete all my social media accounts, my vlogs, not appear on TV. Come on. I mean, you could have done the rest, just not TikTok, right? Up until TikTok. I don't have TikTok. I'm old. <laughs> no shit. No, not about the no old, about the no TikTok. Uh, no, none, none of us, us have TikTok. Yeah. yeah. So where do we start from? Um, such... Well, we, for, for, even from your speech, I, we have a few points to start. For right, example, so you said the Ayatollah. Okay. Saying the Ayatollah is like saying the rabbi. Ayatollah is a religious... But um, he is an Ayatollah. He is an Ayatollah, but uh, Ayatollah is just his title. His name is uh, Sayyid Ali Khamenei. Sayyid is also a title. Uh, Ali Khamenei. And there are, there are many Ayatollahs. Some of them don't recognize Khamenei's uh, Ayatollah title because they say he didn't receive it in the ordinary way, in the right way. Uh, some are in jail because they oppose the regime. So being an Ayatollah is definitely not enough. So I, I, know, I, I know where we're going to start from. Why do they despise us so deeply? Um, first of all, the Iranian people don't despise us so deeply. Actually, they like us much more since the Islamic Republic started telling, started telling them that we're uh, the small devil. Because, uh, like as many Iranians tell me on social media, my government says you're bad, which means you're, you're necessarily good. Everything that uh, the government likes, the people dislike and the other way around, and it's always been like that. When the Shah liked us, there was more anti-Semitism among the nation than now when the nation, when the government says, it's, I, I say it's rhetorics, uh, but when the government says that Israel should be wiped off the map, they don't say we should wipe, should be wiped off the map. Yeah, but they work with proxies, so why, why, yeah, is, the, but why I, is there that... that uh... I think it's mostly rhetoric because uh, Iran is a Shiite country in the middle of the Islamic world, which is mostly Sunni, and they weren't originally Muslim. There was a Zoroastrian before, and they're not Arab. Uh, Iranians are Aryan, Turks are Turkish, <laughs> Um, and most of the other Muslim countries in the Middle East are Arab. So they have to be like more righteous than the Pope, only in the Islamic way. And they have to, to show that they care more about Islam and that they are the protectors of the Islamic world and of, especially the protectors of Palestine because they have to show that they care more and because they're trying to unite the Islamic world around them and not around Saudi Arabia, which is their most bitter yes, enemy. But we, we heard the, it's just a rhetoric before, right? Uh, when you say it, it rings a bell. We, we've been there and we failed last time to recognize uh, if that was a rhetoric or not. I'm talking about the 40s. Um, so why should we take the risk now and presume it's rhetorics? Because the... The day after they wipe Israel off the map, which won't happen, but if they did, they have no legitimacy to rule their people and to torture their people like, like they do. 
if you have an external enemy, you can say, you know, this is not a time now to... For reform. For reform. It's not a time to protest for human rights and against uh, hijab and all that. We, we're in war. We're being attacked. We're in a psychological war, moral war, economic war. Now there's also the marine war. Um, As uh, Friedrich Hayek said, emergency is always the excuse used by regimes to uh, stomp on civil liberties. And some say that actually Saddam Hussein, when he attacked the new Islamic Republic in 1980, actually saved it because most of the people were opposed to the Islamic Republic. They, the whole nation brought about this revolution in 1979 because they didn't want the Shah. But there were communists, there were intellectuals, there were bazaaris from, uh, from the market, and there were the but, Islamists. And but the, but, but why, why do you think it is necessarily rhetoric? Like, why, do you, why is it that, that, that you feel that the people of Iran... I mean, you, you say that you're in touch with certain people on social media, but how, oh, are there know polls that... in, from Iran that say that most people don't agree? I mean... Uh, it's very, actually, it's very difficult to know from social media because I'm aware that people who are in touch with me are aware that they are in touch with an Israeli and they're taking this risk because they hate their government. I mean, they're, they're filtered. I'm not in touch with everyone. And once, once in a while we do see, I, I also follow like Telegram channels and Twitter accounts and I passively follow also the bad guys. But and I and I do see there is more talk against Israel. Actually, I think that after uh, 2014, that was the turning point from favoring Israel uh, to hating Israel or less favoring Israel because uh, the Palestinian propaganda was better than ours. In the regime's rhetoric or in the people in the among the people, I'm talking the people. among the people. The regime's rhetoric is this, has been the same. So, so give us some kind of breakdown. I mean, like what percent of the population do you feel or, or is there evidence to show that a certain percent of the population feels a certain way towards Israel? There, it's very hard to tell. The, it's very hard. It's very hard to so tell it's because... it's all kind of qualitative each, assessment. Yeah, it's, it's qualitative. And I can say there are people who say this, there are people who say that, but I can't say how many. But for example, in almost all the protests against the regime, one of the slogans you hear more than, um, for, it's, and it's been around for more than a decade and a half, is not Gaza, not Lebanon, my uh, soul is devoted to Iran. But that doesn't mean they love Jews. No, it means that they hate the fact that their regime gives the money from their oil and their taxes to wars that are not theirs. Yeah. And they but say... But isn't it safe to say that still... The regime has a very strong base among the population? Not really. <laughs> Actually, I think that if the regime were not as violent in, uh, in how do you say, squashing. In, um, in squashing the, the protests, we would have seen a regime change. The regime doesn't have a lot of support. If it did have more support, it didn't have to arrest and torture all these people um, who are protesting against it. If they did have more support in the last elections, they could have filtered more candidates that were eligible and that 
had all the, re the prerequisites and could actually win, but they wanted Raisi to win. So they had to eliminate all the enemy, all his uh, rivals who had a chance. And there were rivals who had a chance. So, so, so why, again, going back to Noah's question, why do they despise us so much? And if it's just in order to have a scapegoat, I mean, why not rally around Myanmar? Um, or, I mean, maybe a less Muslim country. There's a wonderful video, I think it's from the 2009 demonstrations, that the, the person with a megaphone <laughs> says, Marg bar Israel, death to Israel. And everybody shouts, Marg bar Russie, death to Russia. If you come to an Iranian and, and say, I'm from an enemy country, Israel would not necessarily be the first guess. There's uh, the Emirates and the fight over the three islands. There's Russia and the fight, the geographical fight uh, over the Caspian Sea. There's Iraq, the sworn enemy. Um, now, now they're in love because uh, the Islamic Republic is uh, also backing the Shiites in Iraq. Um, there's uh, Saudi Arabia, who's competing on the hegemony on the Islamic world. Mm -hmm. So Israel would not necessarily be the first enemy. So it seems like they they have a lot of enemies. They're they're definitely at odds with the West. Why is that so much? Why why is Iran Iran at odds with the West? Uh, it seems that Iranians have a tendency over history, and when I say over history, I mean like three thousand years, um, to go from one extreme to the other. And we can start with the prophet Zarathustra, who took the Indo-Iranian religion and turned the bad guys into the good guys. The demon, he just switched the demons and the gods. In uh, Sanskrit, in India, Deva is God. In, uh, in the Avestan, in the Iranian scriptures, Daiwa is a demon. Ahura Mazda, who is the Zoroastrian head god. Head god or godhead, I always forget. Head God. Okay. Sounds more right. I've never heard either. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like fa face palm and palm face. I never remember the order. Face palm. Face palm. Okay. <laughs> that one I know. That one I know. <laughs> Anything related to emojis, I'm good. Ahura um, Mazda, who's um, the, the head of all gods, uh, is in Sanskrit, Asura, which is a demon. So he just switched the good guys and the bad guys, and that, that's Zarathustra. Uh, we can go to mythological time. We can uh, go to Cyrus the Great, who was seemed, seen as a savior in Babylon and in media that he conquered and united. Um, we can see it at the end of the Sasanian times when the, the people despised the Zoroastrian religion because it was the state religion and just embraced Islam. And... We see it in the, in the Islamic Revolution. The Shah was open to the West. He had reforms that tried to westernize Iran, he and his father. Um, in the 1930s, there were six years that women were not allowed to go out of their homes wearing hijab. It was mm. called kashfe hijab. Uh, and the result was that people wanted to be more Muslim. And the result of Kashfe Hijab was that during these six years, there were many women who just didn't leave home. 
because for them going out of the house without hijab is like for me going out of the house without a shirt which you know in Tel Aviv uh, it's okay but it may be in Kfar Saba it's a yeah. more yeah. of a problem in Tel Aviv you get a fine <laughs> if you leave your house with a shirt yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so there were women who went out without hijab because they were you know they had Tel Aviv mentality but <laughs> most most women or many women didn't leave the house because for them it was uh, it, so it's always vice versa with them is what you're trying to say yeah and and then they they wanted to be more Muslim in uh, 1935 there was a massacre in the Gohashad uh, mosque in Mashhad because the Shah wanted to enforce Western attire on men and they wanted to wear Muslim uh, their Muslim MMA and uh, all the their clothes and uh, there was a clash between uh, people who prayed at the mosque and security forces and there was a big bloodshed but but then after the Islamic Revolution when now they enforce Islam because of the religious coercion people want to be more Western they want to be more secular they they're more proud of their Iranian heritage because the Shah tried to uh, make them proud of their Iranian heritage and had the uh, huge celebrations of uh, 2500 years for Cyrus the Great in 1971 invited all world leaders and it was had this great emotional speech at Cyrus's grave and the people wanted to be Muslim and, and also they said you know stop this um, wasting our money we want to know what we're eating for dinner which is also what's happening now and then the, the Shah was not overthrown because he was good <laughs> he was overthrown because they didn't realize there was something worse and actually the the only regime the only ones who succeeded in making the Shah's vision come true and making Iranians Iranian women hate hijab and uh, all Iranians want to be more Western and more proud of their Iranian heritage is the Islamic regime. And the Islamic regime is the worst thing that happened to Islam in Iran because now the people don't want to be Muslim and you can see clergy being chased and beaten in the streets. You can see in protests people breaking mosques or... Um, yeah, you see women take off their hijab and in protest. Right. That's mm -hmm. the hijab protest is actually the the most long-lasting and the most widespread protest because each time we see protests here and there, they're usually geographically uh, confined. They're usually confined in time. But the hijab protest is everywhere. Widespread. Everywhere and ongoing. So let's take a step back. Maybe give us kind of a breakdown for people who don't know, including myself, that from the Shah in the 1950, uh, who took over in the 1950s or earlier than that. Uh, but from the Shah, from the, and the through the Iranian Revolution, okay. uh, Iranian Revolution, and then maybe tell us a little bit at the end how we got to Ibrahim. You have two minutes. You have two minutes. <laughs> And tell us a bit about saying, Ibrahim. Say, saying the Shah right, is like see. saying the Ayatollah because Shah means king. So the, the, so the there last were, Shah. There were a lot of kings. Yeah. The last dynasty was the Pahlavi dynasty. Mm -hmm. There was uh, Reza Shah from 1925. He became Shah. He ruled from 1921, became Shah in 1925. Ruled until Russia and Great Britain said, 
we don't like you because you support Hitler, go to South Africa, and they um, put his son on the throne, Mohammad Reza Shah. You said 1950s because in the 1950s there were two years of a prime minister, of the prime minister Mohammad Mossadegh, mm. uh, who took over. Pretend like you knew that. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> yeah, he took over, he uh, exiled the Shah. And in 1953, there was a, a counter-revolution mm. uh, by the army, um, a coup, a coup d'etat. Mm -hmm. And only 60 years later, the, when the, all the uh, CIA archives were revealed, uh, America finally admitted that it was the CIA who organized this counter-revolution to reinstall the Shah because the people loved Mossadegh. Yeah. Uh, he nationalized Iranian oil and you know, he was he was good. He's actually, I think, the only historical figure who's a hero, both uh, among the Islamists and the and the opposition. Okay. Uh, except the people who were very rich and supported the Shah, <laughs> who didn't like him. But most people really loved him. And in all the revolutions from the tobacco revolt in I think it's uh, 1891 or two, when a whole nation stopped smoking within a week because the Shah, the Qajar Shah, it was the dynasty before, uh, gave the um, franchise on the whole tobacco market to the British. And by a decree, by a religious decree uh, from, from one of the high clergies, the whole country stopped smoking within one week. Because uh, there weren't any cigarettes or because they... Because, they, because he said that tobacco that went through non-Muslim hands is haram, is forbidden. Hmm. Because they didn't like the fact that the British are now, you know, they're, they're cutting... This is the Shah in before the 1950s? Yeah, yeah, we're talking now okay. about the end of the 19th century. Okay, so let's but, focus... No, but what, on, I'm, what I want to say yeah. is that in all the, in all the revolutions... I'm not going to count all of them. I just love the tobacco revolt. But um, in all the revolutions, the, cler the clergy were in the lead, but the whole nation was united around one idea. Mm -hmm. But the clergy never took power because it's forbidden by, uh, by the Shiite religion. Uh, and then in 1979... The, the thing that the, the clergy took the, were the leading uh, force behind the revolution, but the whole nation stood around one uh, common goal, one common um, I don't know, idea that they all wanted to remove the Shah. But the, what was different was that this time the Islamists took over and took control of the regime. Now, uh, if you want me to, if you're asking me when the Islamic Revolution started, I can say it started with the Shah trying to revolutionize Iran and make it more Western and make it. Uh, um, he introduced vaccines to every village. Was it good for, for Iran in, in objectively? It depends what you what you call good. I mean, he pro he promoted Iran. It also depends for the country. Yes, for the people. Depends which people. Was the average Iranian richer? I think on average, maybe yes, but the, the gaps were huge. They're also huge now. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but there were people who were very rich and people who were very poor. Very, so, so, and, hmm. and he, and he tried, okay. uh, <laughs> he tried to weaken the clergy because mm-hmm. he felt they were too strong, which made them very mad, which made the people like them more. And he exiled Khomeini in 1964, which was a big mistake, huge mistake. Um, he could have incarcerated him. He could have executed him. If he executed so many good options, so many good options, but he chose to exile him. And then in 1975, he allowed people to go uh, on pilgrimage to Iraq. And one of the people where they went on pilgrimage was where Khomeini sat. And they came back with tapes that they spread all around the mosques Mm. um, under the Shah's nose and under the nose of all the security uh, the, the other nation's uh, security agencies who were present in Iran because the Shah didn't allow them to go to mosques because he said the mosques are against me. If you go to mosques, you're collaborating with people who mm-hmm. oppose my regime. And maybe if they had gone to mosque, they could have stopped it. Was the Shah secular? Yeah. Like he, he I did, mean, Was he atheist? He well, didn't believe he claimed, in the prophet Muhammad? He claimed to have a personal relationship with God. Hmm. There was the triangle, the Shah, God, and the... And Muhammad? The, no, the land. Ah, Vatan, so Muhammad homeland. is left out of it. No, no, no need for him. No need for him. <laughs> I'm the new Muhammad. Yeah, he claimed to have a personal relationship that was you know, in, in all the study books, in all the textbooks. Um, uh, really? They, they, they learned about the Shah and about his relationship with God? No, in a, but in all the, in the textbooks, you, could, you had the Shah's picture, of course, and you had the triangle of uh, the Shah, really? God, and... Kind of North Korean Homeland. a little bit. Uh, except that they weren't cut off from the rest of the world, and yeah. that he did try to open Iran to the world, and he did But in that, in that I am, the, the, the leadership is divine yeah. kind of sense. And since yeah. the revolution, let's let's move forward. Uh, <laughs> since the revolution, it's just been a mess when it comes um, to economy, world yeah, relations. Yeah, well, first Saddam Hussein saved the Islamic Republic because they had to unite around the flag, but uh, he also ruined Iran. So after the eight years of war with all the millions of uh, in- injured, it was probably not a million people killed but a million injured is also a lot and cities destroyed and the economy destroyed and families and everything. They had to rebuild everything. Uh, so they were busy with that. They also made the mistake of developing agriculture too much, exploiting too much water, more water than they have. So when you explode, when you exploit too much, uh, how do you call the underground water in English? Groundwater groundwater when you explode too, too much groundwater there's no water to hold the ground so there are sinkholes opening in the midst of cities oh. i mean Isfahan and tehran might have to be evacuated really yeah because today yeah because you can't do anything against sinkholes and you don't know where the next sinkhole will open because the water keeps the ground kind of uh, uh, yeah. stable so they, they they dried out the land and now it's basically yeah because you know the ground is uh layers of ground and water yeah and it's not straight layers yeah so when there's no water some of the ground might drop and the there would be a sinkhole that's also what's happening in the in our dead sea yeah um so 
they they did that and the the religious coercion uh and all the human rights violations there and they they actually wanted to um to overthrow the shah um because he was corrupt or there was a lot of corruption uh in the elite but what happens now is that the clergy who are very very uh, modest and you know Khomeini prays under the apple tree in France <laughs> and uh, Khomeini doesn't fly abroad and he eats mostly fruit and when he was younger he used to sit on the ground and not in a, in a chair he's very they're very humble and modest but they have billions <laughs> are they is that so is that an image that they put out it's or an, is it, it, it it was fir first I think they did intend uh, to be more righteous and, um, you know, to be more just, mm -hmm. but, but power corrupts and they've been in power for too long. And the leader is, uh, is opposed for life. So when Khamenei was elected leader after Khomeini's death, by the way, bad choice of names. I would yeah. fire the, yeah. <laughs> the guy. copywriter. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> It's too confusing. Yeah. <laughs> Even I get confused. Yeah. The first one's Khamenei and then... Kho oh, no. The first no. one's Khomenei and the... Khomeini. Okay. Khomeini. The first one is Khomeini from a city named Khomein. Oh, God. And the second one is Khomenei from a village named Khomenei. Khomeini from Khomein and Khamenei from Khameni. Khomenei. Khomenei. Whatever. Yeah. And it's <laughs> ha. It's not ha. It's not ha. Iranians don't it's, have ha. They're not Arab. What is it? It's ha. There's ha. a difference between the, what Arabs ah, it's say. It's like Hebrew. Ha. Yeah, it's like, it's like Ashkenazi. Khamenei. It's like Ashkenazi ha. And there's also the Arabic het is pronounced like he, like an American would pronounce. So when you read, you read Hamas and Hezbollah. No, it's Hamas and Hezbollah. Hamas and Hezbollah. Hamas and Hezbollah in, in Persian would be Hamas and Hezbollah. Hamas. Ha, no, no. Hamas. Hey. He has an American here. He doesn't hear the. Uh, there are two kinds. Ha, ha, and ch. Yeah. There isn't. Ah. Uh, there yeah. isn't. No, I'm just saying that's those uh, are the yeah. those are the uh, yeah, our, but, syllables we're talking about. Yeah, but Arabic has he and Persian doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they pronounce it ha, as he. Ha, like and Hassan, Hassan. Yeah. Rohani. Hassan yeah. Rohani has two of the he, Arabic he. Which is uh, hey, in Persian. English, we just have Chanaka <laughs> <laughs> and Chutzpah. <laughs> and Chutzpah. Um, um, so, so, so okay. the, um, when Khomeini um, carried on, they don't say passed away, he carried on, <laughs> uh, went on, uh, there's the assembly of experts that is supposed to oversee the leader and. Uh, impeach him if he's he does something wrong but actually older um the older leader meeting, you mean the supreme leader the supreme leader okay. and why is he called leader he's not called a shah he's not called a king he's not called a president he's not called a prime minister he's not called a ruler he's called leader because shiite islam doesn't allow clergy to rule they found you know a rhetorical way to make it okay. He's just a leader. He connects God and the people. He so leads this, the, the people. The, this Shiite. Shiite doesn't allow for the clergy to rule, but Sunni Islam does? 
I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not uh, an okay. expert on Sunnis. No. Okay. So you were saying that the this the the council uh, were the they were supposedly yeah. They, so supposed the assembly to... of expert is supposed to over oversee the the um, the leader, but all their meetings are secret, so we don't really know what they do there. But we do know that after the leader dies, they're the ones who decide who's going to be the next leader. They uh, elect the next leader. How many people are in this? Uh, uh, what did you call it again? Assembly of assembly experts. of experts. Yeah. 88. 88. Clergy. And this is like the Senate, the Iran Iranian equivalent of the Senate, but they're not democratically elected. How do they get I'm, there? I'm not sure about uh, American politics, but there's the Majlis, which is the parliament, the, leg the legislative authority. There's the government, which is the executive branch. There's the judiciary. The assembly of experts is only made of clergy. They're elected every eight years in free elections okay <laughs> but free elections that uh, by the people by the people after being carefully filtered yeah i mean um, what happens behind but the system yeah. is that they're yeah. democratically elected but really it's not democratic heavily filtered and, yes and they choose and, all 88 every eight years yeah and uh they choose all 88 every eight years and they're supposed to nominate the next leader and after Kind of similar to the almost uh, almost thirty years. No, no, no. The the majlis is uh, similar to the Knesset. Yeah, no, but I'm saying okay. So not in their legislative power, but in the mm -hmm. sense that they're a democratic, democratically elected representative body that then elects a leader, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, okay. no, yeah. but the leader they elect it's isn't like the, the leader. It's like the it's electors. like the president. But not uh, really in Israel. I'm but not really. To, it's not like the prime minister because the but, prime minister is the president of, of Iran. No, he but not the, really. No, the, the, okay, the Ayatollah the, the, is much more powerful now than the president. The leader, Iran. the leader is the yeah no the the leader is the most powerful man in Iran. The president is the head of the executive power power or branch. Uh, branch. Uh, branch is the head of the executive branch. He executes orders he executes the leaders in all um, fields of running the state yeah mm -hmm. he, he has very little uh you know he can decide very little and mm. w we saw that for example when ahmadinejad in his uh, second term tried to close down ministries or open ministries or fire ministers or unite ministries he but he, that's you know he got yelled at by the leader who told him to change everything back. But that's unofficially official. Correct me if I'm mistaken, but officially, the president of Iran, he when it comes like to running the country, he is he is the responsible and and uh, and he's the responsible. And the leader, he's out there like you know, giving a uh, mental support and maybe decide, oh no, even in a, like what's the official. When when Ibrahim Raisi was elected mm -hmm. in his victory speech, mm -hmm. uh, he said, "I will execute the leader's policy. Everything that comes out from the leader's throat, and he used a wrong word. That's why I say comes out of his throat. Oh, okay. um, everything that comes out of the leader's throat is the people's will, and I will do exactly but as he says." But that's his policy. But on paper the job of the president when the state was designed um right? well the actually the president was as it the current uh, definition of the president was actually made up 
after Khomeini died, because in the time of Khomeini, there was a prime minister and a president. Mm-hmm. And then after Khomeini died, and Rafsanjani wanted to uh, gain all the power in his own hands, he said that Khomeini, on his deathbed, told him that Khomeini would be best as leader, even though Khomeini didn't have the right credentials to become leader, didn't have the basic prerequisites. Uh, and he said, he also said that Khomeini said that the uh, prime minister and president jobs should be united. And that was Rafsanjani himself for the first eight years. Mm-hmm. And he was the most powerful man in Iran for the first eight years. Uh, he probably wanted to nominate Khomeini because Khomeini was, he wasn't exactly a nobody. He was president, but he wasn't very charismatic. And he thought that putting someone uncharismatic as leader and he himself having the powers of both president and prime minister would make him the strongest man in Iran. He just forgot that presidency is for eight years and leadership is for life. And he created a monster. And but but do we know what the law in Iran stipulates if Khamenei is technically more powerful than uh, the president or um, I haven't read the law itself, yeah. but after Rafsanjani, uh, Muhammad Khatami was elected president and he was relatively moderate. When we say moderate, we mean relatively moderate. None of them are, you know, great lovers of Israel. Mother Teresa or, or uh, yeah. Gandhi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Where are you, the Iranian Gandhi? We're waiting for you to... Come out of the shadows. So when uh, Khatami was elected president, many Iranians thought that now Iran will be, you know, more moderate, less uh, like ex- extreme in enforcing Islam and and all that. And many Iranians came back to Iran. There was a big euphoria, and very shortly after he was elected, he said, "My hands are tied." I don't make the decisions. I just carry order, carry but out when, orders. When an Iranian, I th- I think it's it's important to understand this because this is the basics of the. When an Iranian is going to vote, and that's why they you you know that this time less than fifty percent went to vote because when an, an, most Iranians say, when I go to vote, what I do is say I believe in the system. Mm-hmm. When I vote for a president, I vote for the person to carry out the leader's orders, right. which means I express my faith in the system. And most people who don't come to the ballots do it because they want to protest and say, I don't believe in the system. And you know that in this last election, the second place after Raisi was the empty vote. How do you call it? Blank vote? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was the blank vote. Meaning a lot of people went and put in a blank yeah. piece of paper. But how did that become public knowledge if the elections are so undemocratic? Why didn't the Iranian regime just, you know, shut it up and say that? Like, why isn't it that we see Ebrahim Raisi won by a landslide? Oh. 80% of people voted for him. Like, sometimes oh, in, uh, Syria. Like in North Korea oh, or Syria. Oh, you mean why they don't uh, make, no vote, make yeah. up results like yeah. they made up? Uh, the sense, not sense, the referendum in yeah. uh, the referendum in 1979 or 1980 to decide about the nature of Iran. Would, would you like an Islamic Republic or not? That's after the revolution? After the revolution, mm. it was about 98% said yes. Of course. 
So why don't more than all the Muslims and more than all the religious people in Iran? So 102% <laughs> voted for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And some say that the 63% of Ahmadinejad in uh, 2009 was forged, but we're not sure it was because the people who said it live live in Tehran. Mm-hmm. Is it to is it to basically like uh, avoid scrutiny, avoid too much criticism? Meaning, if I say 90%, everybody knows I'm lying. So let's say a believable number, like. 57 and or people will buy they, it or are the elections uh, le- like legitimate legitimate okay the, the the islamic republic is very good at learning from elections to election they learn uh, in 2009 when ahmadinejad was re-elected and some say that the third it was forced to say that this was the, the real percentage but the people in the big cities don't know what the people in the periphery think uh, anyway, his, it doesn't really matter what happened. What matters is that it brought people out on the street. And there were big protests, you remember, with uh, Neda Sultani who got killed and then many other young people. But she became the symbol of the 2009 protests. Yeah, but in, and, in the States... But that, that, was, that was because people felt that they voted for one person... Mm-hmm. and got another. But that happened in the United States, both in the case of Donald Trump and in the case of Joe Biden. People went to the streets to protest the results of the election, but we, we as close as we can to know, that those elections were more or less free, democratic, and accurate, and the results were accurate. Yeah, I don't Why think do... Donald Trump is an example for anything. <laughs> no, I'm just, no, I'm saying that people went to the streets, yeah. Democrats went to the streets to protest, saying there were, you know, the. I mean, we, we had the whole Russian collusion thing for, mm-hmm. for uh, uh, the whole presidency, basically. What I'm saying is there there's hardly a question of legitimacy in the right. elections. You have to go as far as to claim that, posts on facebook somehow affected the, you know but w- i'm saying how do where is the but evidence I, I, that I, 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 elections in I- iran are so undemocratic okay uh, f- but first let me tell you how they learn from one okay, elections yes, to yes. the other and then remember to te- remember okay. to remind me to uh, to answer you about the democratic procedure in iran because okay. i i love it it's it's my favorite uh, my favorite uh, Be- bedtime story no. Fantasy. Ah, how do you say? It? My favorite slide, the, mm. my favorite slide in my lectures about Iran is is Iran is the Islamic Republic a democracy? Anyway, <laughs> uh, in 2000 It's just low. <laughs> <laughs> um in 2013, the Guardian Council that's yeah. responsible for filtering uh the candidates was smarter. They didn't filter a candidate that was not favorable for the regime, like they did in 2009. Mossavi was not favorable for the regime. Uh, they, the most moderate of all the candidates that passed their screening was Rouhani, who's not that moderate, but he was the most moderate of all the candidates. And then when he won, people were so happy. They streamed to the streets and danced and sang. and There was much rejoicing. <laughs> and then... Uh, and a president in Iran, Iran is always elected for a second term. There has not been one president that wasn't elected for a second term. Uh, it's considered uh, there's a fear that it would make the country unstable, so they make sure he does. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's also what they say about the 2009 elections. 
that uh, it was forged in order for Ahmadinejad to stay for a second term and not Mosavi, mm-hmm. the people wanted, or at least that's what we know from the protests. So there was no one that the people would want more than Rouhani. And he was a big surprise in these elections. I remember myself and other analysts uh, talking in the media about the next president, who could it be? And when we, when we said pick three candidates to talk about, not, none of us picked Rouhani. He was a big surprise. And then uh, in 2017, Raisi was a candidate against Rouhani, but it was a sure thing that he's not going to win. People four years ago, young people didn't know who he is. Older people knew that he was an executioner, a butcher, that he had leaders, tons of Iranian blood on his hands. They remembered him from the death committees in the 1980s. Um, But it was the first step to bring him to the front. So it was okay that he didn't win then. Then he became the head of judiciary. Mm-hmm. in order, again, to make him more prominent. In this post, he also accumulated more blood, more Iranian blood on his hands in 2019, and as head of the body that executes people, mm. that sentences people to death. Um, and in this elections, is, is it okay to say, uh, not dirty, dirty words, but to use uh, dirty yeah. metaphors? Yeah. Okay. It's uh, a fisting of the... Okay, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but... Not quite. <laughs> everybody knows that the regime pees on the people, but this time they peed from the jump board. <laughs> okay. Mine, mine was better. Of, speaking of Donald Trump. <laughs> 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 so everybody says they pee, what? They pee on the people, but... This it's like in they... Israel, there's a saying, everybody pees on the, in the pool, but this time they peed from the jump board. Ah, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. From the diving board. Diving board, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, really, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I see. Okay. So, um, so this time, the Guardian Council, which is the body that filters, the, that screens the candidates, screened out, well, Ahmadinejad is always screened out. He's Since he was... Uh, He's not president anymore. He's a persona non grata in the um, in the head of uh, I mean in the top. Well, can he run again? I don't understand. He can. He can. He, he can't run immediately for a third consecutive term, but, but he, can he can run. run again. Yes. But, but uh, Rassan Johnny ran ran against Ahmadinejad in two thousand five. But that's faux pas, meaning when you do it, like no, it's because he started talking against the regime, and he says there ah. should be free elections without the Guardian Council and okay, things I like see. that. I see. Um, Big no-no. Yeah, but so he was filtered out. That's okay. But Ali Larijani, the former head of parliament, one of the five Larijani brothers who are the most powerful family, his brother um, sits in most of the committees. Uh, including the Guardian Council, um, including the, uh, I don't remember the English name, uh, but in, in all kinds of committees and councils, he wa- his brother was also the head of judiciary mm. uh, before Raisi. Mm-hmm. So, and he himself, he's, uh, he's a conservative, he was the head of parliament, he's very loyal but to the regime. But he wasn't allowed to run. No, because he had a chance to win. This is why the the Iranian 
uh, people feel that they were peed on from the diving board. Okay, we don't have much time, and there are a few things I think we got to talk about. Can so, we talk about how stupid Raisi is? Yes, I want you okay. to, 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 to just explain who Raisi is. You wanted to answer, this is the agenda. Oh, okay, the, yeah. I wanted to answer a question about yeah. why is it democratic, yes. because we do have free elections every four years for presidency, every four years for parliament, every eight years for the assembly of experts, uh, mm-hmm. for city councils. It's all free. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a separation of powers. We have the executive branch and the legislative powder and the, the, the judiciary. Only ju- the judiciary is not elected, but it's, it's a professional system. It's not elected anywhere. But the head of judiciary is uh, nominated directly by the Supreme Leader. And for the free elections, there's this body called the Guardian Council. That is it's like com- Guardians of the Galaxy, but less cool. <laughs> uh, it's the Guardian Council of the Constitution. They guard the Constitution. Um, every law that's passed in Parliament goes to the Guardian Council, and they say if it's okay or not. It's like the Israeli Supreme Court, basically. How, they, <laughs> How they, many? What? How many make up the Guardian Council? Twelve members, six... Uh, Six clergy nominated directly by the Supreme Leader and six um, legislators, legislate like Mishpatanim. Uh, lawyers. Lawyers, more Legal or less. experts. Legal experts nominated by the head of judiciary who is appointed directly by the Supreme Leader. So it's actually basically 12 people, half um, nominated, appointed directly by the Supreme Leader and half directed mm-hmm. indirectly by the Supreme and Leader. And also mayors and all those roles are with nominations. No, they, they have... To, they but you are, wanted us to stay focused. They're, they're <laughs> no, freely, they're I, freely trying, elected after a screening by the Guardian Council. Okay, so what you're so saying the is that all the, Gandhi, all the candidates in all the elections are being chosen basically by... Yeah, they say who can run for presidency. Mm-hmm. They can say who can run for parliament. They can say who can run but for the assembly of experts. But once they choose those people, once they choose, it's a free election. It but and is it really? We don't really know. It's but not. You, it's not you. anonymous. It's not anonymous. I mean, they they have like little numbers on the hmm. on their ballots. So so theoretically, they can trace who voted for who. I don't. I don't know if it's ever been done. I don't think it's ever been done, but it's possible. Um, it's not anonymous. That's a big, big no-no in democratic elections. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so it's not democratic. But and, other than that, <laughs> let's say let's say we ignore that. Yeah, if we ignore the filtering and if we ignore the fact that this council, the Guardian Council, also uh, filters laws by the Parliament, mm-hmm. it can veto or it can say fix this and that, and then if if they're if they can't agree. Uh, it goes to another council that uh, determines what the regime's interest is. But let's put that aside for a second. It, but after the filtering and after the non the the not anonymous voting, the elections are more or less free. We assume. Yeah, presumably free. Okay, but they're set allegedly up in such, free. They're set up in such a way that 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 we can't be considered free because. There's no actual rival to the leading candidate. Uh, yeah, and this time all the, all the caricatures, all the memes, all the, you know, yeah. 
were about this uh, presidency, this race for presidency being a one-man race. Mm. Because it was Raisi and a bunch of people that so, can't compete with him. Who is Raisi? In, quickly. Raisi. <laughs> yeah. Um, Briefly. Ac- according to what the people say, <laughs> uh, he's... Uh, He was uh, nominated as he was made judge when he was 18 because there, it was there was the revolution and all the people who who were in power in the previous regime were either executed or fled or were incarcerated. So uh, they had a lot of young people in the head of the army and the government and everything. They're now old. <laughs> uh, but he he started there and he just, you know, he grew inside the judicial system. until he became the head of judiciary and i think he's supposed he's he has a ti- doctor title but he can't complete a whole sentence in persian i mentioned that he- how come yeah you said i don't know but there, there's in his uh one of his speeches after he was elected before he was sworn to office uh he he talked in uh mashhad about the corona and he couldn't make a whole sentence sounds like donald trump yeah i mean <laughs> he, he talked about the vaccines and then he said something like sari fori and relobi about the vaccines being fast immediate and revolutionary like revolutionary in the sense of iranian the islamic re- revolution or i mean he, he couldn't really make a whole sentence a whole idea when he in his um Now, when he was sworn to office, he read his speech from paper and he made a mistake every minute or two. Mm-hmm. So people said, this man doesn't have, you know, the sixth grade education. <laughs> and what's the deal about the 1988 uh, he massacre? Was a me- he was a member of the death committees. It, it, it was towards the end of the Iran-Iraq war. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the... Islamic regime I like the straightforwardness of the name you know it's like we're the death committee I'm, I'm, we <laughs> decide on death I'm not sure it was the the official ah, name, okay but even uh, it was called the life committee <laughs> in in his victory speech he said that you know I I'm, I'm not a, he didn't say I'm not a butcher but he said everything I did was for the cunt for national security and for the people and yada, the people's yada, yada, will blah, blah, yeah blah. so he really but what, what was the story there so at the end of the iran iraq war what happened uh there were a few thousand people executed like mass executions of people buried in common graves because of what uh, uh because uh, they had uh, because they had either uh, other ideologies Ah, it wasn't collusion with the Iraqis. It was no, no, no. It was uh, ideological differences with the regime, like communists. Uh, yeah, libertarians. <laughs> I mean, what what were the make? What was the makeup of those people? Were they communists? I'm not sure, but I think uh, most of them were communists, maybe Kurds. Ah, okay. And they were just massacred. What's the number? Yeah, uh, no, nobody knows. The assessment is a few thousands. few thousand and now i read that in sweden uh one of his accomplices in that massacre is being trialed for this that's a good thing but even even uh, khomeini's number two came to talk to these committees and he said you will be remembered in uh, on the pages of history as executioners as mass murderers 
So what and, kind of a... Uh, and and Raisi, mm-hmm. uh, again, it's all things that I'm reading and people say. I, I don't really know what exactly went on there. But uh, he's the one who decided to stop uh, death row by... Um, shooting. By shooting. By firing and start, squad. By firing squad and started hanging. Because the peop- the peop- person executed will suffer more. Not because it's cheaper. It's also cheaper. But that was not the reason. Uh, it's cheaper, but when they executed people by firing squad, they then came to their parents and asked for the money. For the Wait, bullets. so the hanging is cheaper? Yeah. And the person suffers more? Because they mm-hmm. choke to death? Or I thought when you hang someone that breaks their neck and they die. It depends where you put the noose. Ah, okay. How fall it, and how far the fall is. Yeah. Yeah, if you put... I, I was... <laughs> I heard the lecture... Um, about uh, there was the um, exhibition of bodies in the Madatek in Haifa. Mm-hmm. There's a, yeah. it's a, it was a while ago. It's no? a, yeah, it's an exhibition. That yeah. Go, yeah, long before, more than 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, but I had a guided tour there and he said that if you're ever executed by hanging, ask the executioner to put the news between uh, cervix, uh, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. he knows C- cervical vertebrae <laughs> four and five. He graduated. That's he the studied medicine. <laughs> he graduated medical school. He did internship and residency, <laughs> and he was like, "I'm going to become an executioner." I, really I just know. love the black. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what people do that. I don't know. I don't um, know. Probably just money. Um, okay. okay, so what kind of a president he's going to be? He's just going to be a yes man of, of the... Wait, but there I a- think we can only be surprised for the better because we expect so we expect him to be so much worse than, mm-hmm. uh, than Rouhani and we expect him to be so bad to Iran that I would be very... Well, we, we're usually wrong in our assessments, so I really hope this one is not wrong. If we'll be surprised, it would be for the better. <laughs> and he gets like an Iran that, I, that, uh, that, that uh, has no water in many cities. With uh, COVID, the, I, the I just trend- saw a picture. The trending, top, the trending uh, hashtag in, in Iran today is SOS Iran mm-hmm. because of COVID. There's yeah, 60,000 right. new patients every day. The health system is... Collapsing. I saw a picture no, of people. It has collapsed. collapsed. Yeah, I saw it a picture collapsed. of people lying like all over the hospital. Yeah, if, on the floor. If you have an accident, you don't have a bed. If you're pregnant, you don't have a bed. If you just right. Do they, they? So they don't. They're not. They don't have any vaccine rollout plan, or do they have vaccines even? They have vaccines, but and they not have enough. a plan, but the Chinese maybe vaccine. Yeah, I think they also have uh, Iranian-made vaccines, but it's not enough and. Because of the corruption, the people in the the elite got it first, and it's a huge country, mm-hmm. and some of it is big cities, but some of it is um, the you know, periphery and the, the periphery and uh, far away villages. So you can't vaccinate everyone as fast as Israel, mm-hmm. right? So you said that. You're you're often on, or always wrong about uh, right. You just said something like we that. We were always surprised. I always I, I refuse to prophesy because I think everybody should refuse to prophesy after what happened here in 2011 in our neighborhood called the Middle East. Right, right. 
Um, but we, we did see like the biggest protest was in 2009, right? In, in, in I think. Um, in the... I think that in terms of uh, protesters killed, the 2019 might have been bigger. But when November was it like the closest in terms of, I don't know. They say 2009 we, was like we, a real opportunity in the Obama. We always say that this time it's different. And right. this time the, they wear different clothes. And this time they're, they, they're more courageous. And this right. time they have, more t- they have less to lose. And every time we're wrong, but it, but one we only have to be wrong once when we say that it will end like the other, mm-hmm. like the other one. But uh, assuming there's a, a lot of people in Iran that want uh, want a revolution, what can we do? The West, United States, uh, Israel, the CIA, the Mossad. What can we do to help realistically? Like, can we do anything? Um, to m- make it happen. Some of the Iranian people I met abroad said, please attack us because that's the only <laughs> thing that will save us from the mullahs. And some said, please don't attack us because we can't survive another war like the Iran-Iraq war. And none of them thought that I don't sit in these, you know, I'm, I'm not a decision maker in Israel. Um, I think that one of the reasons that... Uh, that they're not doing it, that they're not m- taking this next step towards a revolution. There, there are three reasons. One is that after 2011, before 2011, it was much closer than it is now because they thought that nothing is worse than what they have. And then they looked around and they see that everywhere where dictators were, were thrown, new evil, more evil powers came to be. They, they saw it in Iraq with Daesh, with ISIS, um, and they saw it in uh, Tunis, and they, e- everywhere things got worse when the dictator went. Uh, they see what's happening in Syria when the di- dictator doesn't go. So, and they're afraid that their price will be higher. So that's one reason. Another reason is that they're afraid that once there's no central government, that after another revolution, Iran will just fall apart like the ex-Soviet Union. Because right now the Baluchis want their independence and the Arabs in Khuzestan want their independence and the Kurds would like their independence and they're, they're afraid that there won't be the Iran as we know it today. And the last thing is that they're afraid because the West has always interfered with Iran. I talked about it very little, like in the tobacco revolt, because they gave all the tobacco markets to the British. And I said that uh, in, in 1941 or two, the British and the Russians told the Shah, go to South Africa and we'll put your son on the throne. And in 1951, with the CIA overthrowing uh, Mossadegh to reinstall the Shah, and they're afraid that the West will interfere again uh, and bring the Mojahedin Khalq which is even worse than the mullahs. Even people who, who strongly oppose the mullahs say that the Mujahideen Khalq are worse. And that's the organization that the West So there's nothing best. we so can I, do. I, I, I think we should keep out. Mm-hmm. We, I want to... I, I think, yeah, the West keeping out is generally... Uh, we should keep out. And uh, that, that one I learned when uh, in 2011 they tried to join the Arab Spring and make it... And it's, 
Islamic Spring, but secular. Um, and I wrote on Twitter or Facebook or something, good luck to the Iranian people. I, in one of their groups, I said, we in Israel support you. They said, Admin, please delete this, clear this, because if I as an Israeli express my support, it, del it delegitimizes them. Mm -hmm. If they say that Israel is behind this, it delegitimizes them and it puts the protesters at more risk of torture when they are arrested. So uh, this might open up a whole nother can of worms, but uh, but um, isn't it about time, or do, do you agree or disagree, I guess, with the statement, isn't it about time to, to, to you know, say plainly that at the core of the issue, or at least a, a major part of the core of the issue is Islam? And we look around, and none of these countries, Egypt, Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, so all of North Africa, and yeah, the, the Arabian Peninsula, and you know, um, uh, the Middle East, Iran, Iraq, none of these countries, with all the revolutions, and the Arab Spring, and the coup d'etats, and the, you know, uh, American intervention and in trying to instill democracy, or mm -hmm ever able to make you know a, a, an inch forward progressively towards the the uh progress and 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 i think uh liberty that the west stands for none of them come even minutely close so the question is why and i wonder if a core part of the problem is islam I once, or an unreformed Islam. I once heard that every major religion has like an adolescent stage when it's uh, 1,400 years old. And Islam just turned 1,400 years old. Um, in Christianity, we have the Crusades and in Judaism, you know. So it's, I hope it's just a phase. And I think the Islamic revolution is really the worst thing that happened to Islam in Iran. And once they succeed in uh, overthrowing the mullahs, Iran will become a secular country again. And, um, you know, it comes and goes. Lebanon was uh, secular and then religious. Afghanistan, Afghanistan was secular. Uh, Turkey. Turkey was secular, and now they're becoming more religious. My friends who live in Turkey, I have Iranian friends who are uh, asylum seekers in Turkey, and they say that, how can you tell a Turkish woman from an Iranian woman if you see them on the street? The Turkish woman wears hijab and the Iranian women don't. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the Turkish women want, uh, are not forced to wear it in the, uh, and the Iranians are. So yes, it, it's um, organized religion because I, what's interesting about Aitan's question is that, as you say, like the Turks, what's what's in common with Turkey, Iran, and Saudi Arabia? Those are three completely different people. The only thing that unites them is the Muslim culture, right? Mm -hmm. And they are three failed states. You know what I'm saying? So, so the Arabs, because those are completely different people from with completely different. The only thing that that. Um, 
I'm not sure if we should say Islam or religion because we saw what happened in Europe when Christianity was about 1400 years old. Um, so it's, uh, I think it's a religious zeal when it's uh, taken to extremes or extremism of every kind is. But the, I mean, there, there's a dissonance, right? Between like when Christianity was at its end. First of all, I mean, I'm, if, not, if, I'm not if, sure and, about By the way, if I were Iranian, I would just agree with you immediately and say, yes, Islam is the source of all evil. But I'm trying to defend it a little bit. If you were part of the 50%, bit. there's 50%, <laughs> right? That, that are kind of the opposition, but 50% Islamists. We're not, we don't know. We don't know the, the exact percentage. And everyone, but there is a large On, on social media, of, everyone says that the, the other... The people expressing the opposite opinion are uh, keyboard mercenaries. Ah, okay. <laughs> but it's safe to probably assume that a, a lo not a tiny minority of Iranians are Islamists. Um, I'm not, maybe not a tiny minority, but it's not a majority, definitely. It's just the people who drink sandis, which means mm. people who enjoy, um, who enjoy, you know, treats from the government, People who have offices, people who have something to lose. If the they drink changes. the government's Kool Aid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you were asking? No, I just say that there's the, the. I'm not sure that there was ever such a dissonance, meaning that ever, you know, the. Uh, at today, Islam stands so. The Islamic country stands so far behind. I mean, maybe Turkey is actually an example, and 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 Dubai. But uh, you know, the the Shah tried to do in Iran what Ataturk did in in Turkey. It's just that the people were not ready. Yeah. And the people became ready only after they were forced to become Islamists. So. Or not? Um, we are not sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, in uh, nineteen f in the nineteen forties, there was an intellectual named uh, Ahmad Kasravi. And he said that Iran has to give the government to the clergy in order to realize how bad Islam is. Yeah. And he was sort of, he was assassinated in 1944. So he didn't see the Islamic revolution, what happened next, but he was kind of a prophet. And I think I didn't say my sentence. Did I say my sentence that What's Iran is sentence? not an enemy of Israel? Did I say it? No. So let me say my I think sentence. I just did. <laughs> Iran is not an enemy of Israel. Iran and Israel have a common enemy named the Islamic Republic. And the Islamic Republic is more an enemy of Iran than it is of Israel. But that's a political Ooh. agenda. It's not a, it's not a, a fact, right? Well, they do torture the people of Iran. Uh, they do execute the people of Iran. They do uh, starve the people of yeah, Iran. Yeah, but Assad tortured the Syrians before they tried to overthrow him. And if they take over, I don't think that, you know, they're going to be a friend of Israel. But, I mean, your two no, of your I'm enemies not, no. can fight and neither of them will be your friend, right? Yeah, but uh, right now, because the Iranian government hates us, the people like us more than they did. Yeah, in so it's the like Shastan. the enemy of my enemy is my friend until my enemy is gone and then my friend becomes my enemy and we're back at square one. Yes, and we see, <laughs> we see this back and forth all the time, this yeah. pendulum. So really final questions, the question that I just got to ask. What is the one thing you would say the West doesn't get fundamentally about Iran? You have to respect them. 
what they la- what they need is respect because what Trump did like Aretha Franklin basically what Trump did when he withdrew from uh, the JCPOA um, unilaterally was uh, hurt their their honor their dignity and they needed great flexibility they called it heroic flexibility in order to explain to their people how come they agree to the to the terms of the West they have to explain from to their enemies from the through their opposition that the fact that they were flexible with the West doesn't mean you can now have your um, human rights Baha'i is admitted to universities don't go that far uh, on the other hand they have to prove to the people who are uh, who do support the regime but are even more extreme we have to prove that we didn't sell Iran um, but why do we have to worry ourselves with their needs I mean no, no, was no. the JCPOA because if we want to reach an agreement why we... would we want to reach an agreement with such a tyrannical okay. murderous be- be- regime because the JCPOA itself has uh, paragraphs I don't remember if it's 26 or 36 that says that if the other side violates the agreement then um, Iran is allowed to enrich but they were enriching again. uranium and building ballistic missiles Now, I mean it was a show oh, ballistic missiles with. were not part of the agreement which is the problem the basic problem of the agreement on one hand it's the basic problem and on the other hand they saw what happened when Saddam was not allowed to have weapons and uh, wh- they wh- don't want they don't want to be weak they yeah. s- they do want the power to protect their people and not only against Israel not not only against Israel but also against their neighbors you know there's the, but I think this is what and 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 yeah. uh, if now the West withdraws from the nuclear talks mm-hmm. they just go on and have their nuclear bomb and that nah. would be a real problem I I am more confident in our ability to keep them from a nuclear bomb without the JCPOA than with it. I think the JCPOA just gives them the guise of you know being one of the uh, member of the of the uh, nations one of the nations and and while they continue to develop and enrich uranium and not give two shits about the West in the end I think it stems from what your statement before you said your sentence and I guess that's that's the the, the heart of the disagreement I ran to Iran to you is not a dis is not an enemy no I'm I know that there are people who dislike Israel and there are people who do like Israel. I know there are people who deny the Holocaust or say, what are you making such a big fuss? You could think it's the first genocide in history. Um, <laughs> With that accent of a Polish. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually, I, I heard it. I heard it in a conference in Poland, but it was from Iranians. <laughs> um, and yeah. So, so I, I realize that not everybody likes us, but they do have worse enemies, and the government oppresses their people more. They threat us, but they oppress their people. I, I don't believe in, in oppressing in, in people. His, uh, in his uh, speech now. I don't believe people are oppressed. If you you are don't op- believe that people are if oppressed? If you are oppressed, get up and stop your oppression. Meaning at some point, you it's your responsibility. Get, you will. 
okay that you can say that because you sit here in Tel Aviv and you know what you're having <laughs> for, you know what, what you're having for dinner and you know that if you go on that but bridge, we wouldn't be sitting here unless our ancestors adhered to that concept yeah but uh, but you that's ha- the you only can, difference but you between can go to that uh, well now there's no reason to but six months ago you could go to that bridge I don't know if we're seeing a bridge from the window it's already getting dark but But you can go to that bridge and uh, with a pink black flag. flag or pink flag and uh, a sign that says Lech and no one will shoot you if the if I went with the flag I'd want to hold at the bridge they might have shot me <laughs> <laughs> oh, but but our ancestors took but. took took matters to their own hands and 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 thought that we could be here that's that's like yeah but they know they have to sacrifice a lot and they're not ready to sacrifice that's it yet. The, that's the problem and also the people their parents still remember that what they sacrificed in order in order to overthrow the Shah and what happened next was much worse and they really don't know what's going to happen next I think that's that's the heart of it is right is are they our enemy or are they not um, there was uh, one of the I, I told you I sometimes uh, take part in uh, programs in Persian and one of the programs on uh, Manoto TV <laughs> was a debate between whether Israel and Iran should have a friendly relationship or I'd love to be their rela- friend no it was it was uh, we, we were six uh, five Persian speakers yeah uh, they could only found find one person to say that uh, the relationship should be hostile it was all of course theoretical not about the Islamic Republic but Iran um, and they 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 found only one person to say their relationship sh- should be hostile, and she said that they should be hostile because of what we're doing to the Palestinians. And then I said, what do you think about Khuzestan? And she said, yes, of course. Oh, she said Can't that you? we should have hostile relations because they have a legitimacy to be hostile towards us. No, they said, she said <laughs> that uh, Iran should be hostile to Israel because of what Israel is doing yeah. to the Palestinians. And then I told her of, of what, what we're doing to the Arabs. And everybody else said we should be friendly. And then I friendly. said, but... Yes. Not one person said we should be hostile towards them. No, it was an Iranian program, so it was from an Iranian viewpoint, but 89% ah. of the viewers said that the relationships should be friendly. Ah, okay. I thought you, I'm sorry. I thought you were on a panel in Israel or something. No, like no, no. I was on a panel on Manoto TV with five Persian speakers. Ah, and okay, okay, it's, okay. Uh, they broadcast from London, I think. Okay. I see. Okay. Well... <laughs> it was yeah a lot to think about you're on social media how can people um, find you you can uh, look for enriched uranium and you can look for Tamar Elam uh, Gendin I'm mostly active on Facebook uh, I write my name with a TH because this is the way it's spelled in French and German and that's what I needed to break the symmetry okay. so like the Tamar. Jewish Thamer Yeah, and uh, I think you'll also give uh, links from sure. your uh, Facebook and Twitter. And yeah. I'm also on Twitter. Um, how do you say Strudel? At. <laughs> At. T-H-M-R. Um, I'm not very active there. And uh, you can see me on YouTube. And you have a website uh, where people can uh, find out where you're lecturing and, uh, or maybe invite you to lecture. Facebook. Uh, th- Facebook is the best I also have THMR site okay just google me up I mean yeah. we're we don't have to give addresses nowadays yeah. and if you're uh, Hebrew speakers bit.ly slash couch lectures I have six lectures uh, 
there and one of them is on the seven day free trial nice so guys look her up tamar e gindin it's t-h-a-m-a-r-e and then the last name gindin g-i-n-d-i-n-e is a middle initial yeah um so look her up uh before we go uh we have a collaboration we are sponsored by uh Arut Sheva, IsraelNationalNews.com. Check them out uh, for articles. We are featured there as well. Uh, the news uh, in Israel, uh, IsraelNationalNews.com. Arut Sheva, check them out. Also, the Australian Jewish news, AJM.TimesOfIsrael.com. For everything that's going on in Australia. And last but not least, we accept donations. So please, please help us out. Go to TwinJB.com slash donate. Uh, because we do this on our free time. Check out our YouTube channel. And yes. that is it. Tamal, thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you, fascinating. thank you. Thank you. Really fascinating. How do you say Thanks. thank you and goodbye in your there are, There are like five ways to say <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you the most common. Uh, the most common is merci, like French. Oh. But the one I like best is sepos gozaram. Sepos gozaram. Sepos gozaram. Sepos gozaram. Yeah, but you're too, so you should say sepos gozarim. Sepos gozarim. Offering! Chodan e gahdar. Bye, guys. Bye.